0: Hello, I'm Terry Leach, I'm the Executive Director of the Center for Health Quality and Innovation, and our board, in their wisdom, um, suggested that we amend this to call it the Center for Health Quality and Implementation as well, based on recommendations from our Operations Committee, which is very, very good advice. So again, we thank you all for being here, and I'm going to start my presentation. So, we are learning that our tripartite mission is something that we are very, very, very proud of. And the question often comes is why isn't it enough that our research and the training that we do of medical students, residents, nursing students, and pharmacists is not enough? And there is now an imperative, and I don't need to go into too much detail because all of you are reading the newspaper, you're watching TV, we're all aware of how much of our healthcare care dollar is consumed by the delivery of health care. And this is a slide that tells us about the um, impact on families. And we see that when we look at the bite of the healthcare care dollar at the U.S. compared to other countries, it doesn't have to be this way. When we break down health care costs, we, examine where are the dollars coming from and we learn that approximately thirty one percent of all expenditures in health care dollars are coming from hospitals or hospital spending so no wonder that hospital costs are in the sights of all payers of health care you can also look at the slide to see where other costs are coming from. And we know, for example, that pharmaceutical costs are increasing, the trend is going up for them as well. But if you're looking at what many people would think is the low-hanging fruit, they would look at costs incurred in the hospital. Consider that approximately 75% of all healthcare spending comes from what is determined to be preventable, largely preventable diseases, behaviors, smoking, obesity-related illnesses. Now, for those of you who've worked in and around hospitals for your entire career, you might be tempted to say, why is that our issue? Why is behavior-driven behavior an issue that affects us? And consider, for example, that if trends continue, up to 20% of healthcare spending will be spent on obesity-related diseases. Again, you might be tempted to ask, why? especially for academic health centers, and especially for academic health centers like UC that are so well known for such uh, innovations as the cochlear implant or the nicotine patch. We've done so much to help all of us in the way we deliver care. Why is that our issue? You might also learn that about one-third of Medicare spending occurs in the last two years of life, and yet we know that early palliative care not only improves patient satisfaction and significantly decreases costs, but there's at least one major study that lung cancer patients, when they're offered palliative care, actually live longer. And you might ask again, why is that a hospital executive's issue? Why do we care? And I tell you that the hospital of old is not the health system of the future. The new paradigm with health care reform is population management. And you may agree or disagree that this is where we should be going, but the fact is, the people that are paying for health care, many of whom are here today, and we look forward to hearing from them, are needing for all of us to get to the table and talk about where the health care costs are coming from and what is the role of prevention, what is the role of chronic disease management. Most importantly, in the fee-for-service world, which currently accounts for about 80% of spending in California, most individuals working in health policy believe that this is in our rearview mirror. It needs to be in our rearview mirror, and we will not be paid fee-for-service, but we will be paid fee-for-value. And for all of you who are currently working in some initiatives that are values-based performance, and many of you here in this room through either the DISRIP process or other processes are finding that we are going to increasingly be asked to demonstrate value and not volume. So, of course, I show you in the slides the pictures of old paradigms and the question will be, where will see be in the new paradigm of risk sharing? But I also say, let's not throw everything out. Healthcare, for all of us who've worked in this, in many different roles, um, many of you know, I was a charge nurse and then uh, a hospital lawyer, an ethics attorney, an IRB attorney, and then worked in the California State Senate as a policy, a health policy consultant so pretty much have touched this for many, many. Oh, also, a public health nurse, one of my most important roles, um, and for many of us who've worked in this field for many, many years, we know there's much that we do right. It just might look different as we go forward. And I ask all of you, the best minds at UC Health and our partners from other or health organizations, can we think together? About what is the best of what we offer in clinical care and how might it look different? Recall that we're expecting around 4.8 million new Californians to gain access to health care coverage in January. Now, this isn't January of 2020, this is January in six months. So, how do we offer the best health care while we also maintain our tripartite mission? We need to be thinking about team-based care. If that's not part of every statement that all of us as ambassadors from this conference go back to our campuses t- to talk about, it needs to be part of what we uh, say. You're gonna learn a lot about telemedicine today. Our speakers, uh, we, didn't see, we didn't search out for uh, fellows in this latest cohort that we funded uh, just in the telemedicine world. But no surprise that telemedicine is becoming very, very important in all of its iterations. And it can be just as personal. I'm here to tell you it can be just as personal and offer excellent care. We need to think about group visits. There's a lot of evidence that demonstrates in some uh, socioeconomic groups that group visits, particularly around diabetes or maternity care, actually can improve outcomes. E-consults, you're going to learn about e-consults today. And then looking at our colleagues who can work to the top of the scope of their license, what can our nurse practitioners and our pharmacists that we work with, how can we team up with them to offer the best population health care? So how do we get to be this high-performing organization? And there are organizational scientists who we are working with, who are helping us. And recently, Dr. Stobel and I traveled to Haas to meet with uh, the Dean of the School of Business there, along with the Dean of the School of Business at Davis. And we've been very lucky to learn about characteristics of high-performing organizations. And when you think about the change that we need to make, I'd like you to think about your organization and where the gaps might be, and how you all here as leaders could help us get to where we need to be. We need to articulate a bold vision. Clearly, we need to articulate that bold vision and shared values. We need to understand the processes and tools to help align actions and results. Expectations that are clearly defined top down. That's why having the leadership and the clinical leaders, our CMOs and our CNOs with us every step of the way. Results must be measured and reviewed frequently. We're starting to look at data, and frankly, we're getting into physician-level data, and we're going to be presenting this more regularly to all of you so we can help understand variations in cost and quality. And the results must be rewarded differentially, and the culture must be focused on maximizing everyone's uh, strengths and contributions. This is the mission statement for CHQI, and if it looks A lot like the Triple Aim, that's no surprise. The Triple Aim will be our North Star as we go forward and attempt to align ourselves here at UC Health in order to deliver the best quality healthcare, improving population health as we go along, and lowering costs, improving efficiency along the way. So how do we do this through CHQI? We are, as Dr. Stobo said, a virtual center. But we work very closely with the operations committee and with other experts that we convene regularly. In addition to the operations committee who you saw um, a little while ago, we uh, work with the CMOs and CNOs on a very regular basis. We work with the systems quality officers on a regular basis, the patient experience officers. And if you don't know, um, we have many other groups from around UC who are increasingly coming together, sharing best practices, disseminating practices. We want to foster that. We want the best practices that are identified at one of our campuses to be spread and implemented throughout UC. We are absolutely convinced that at least at one of our campuses, we have the best practices. We have the best quality. We know we have the best people. Now, what we want to do is support all of you so that you can implement those throughout UC Health. Recently, for example, I had the privilege of working with many of your primary care uh, redesign experts to bring all five campus primary care teams together to share best practices in primary care. And during the poster today session, you'll have an opportunity to get to know your primary care teams. That's an example of the kind of work we're doing at CHQI. We also identify best practices, disseminate best practices, and we fund, manage, and evaluate projects In your package, you'll see that we have over 30 projects that we have identified. Very briefly, I want to share with you that we have two different types of cohorts. One is a fellowship. And for those individuals who will be speaking later today, these are individuals who applied based in part on the strength of their project, but also because their leadership identified them as the future leaders of UC Health. We have so much confidence in our fellows, so please congratulate them today when you see them. We all um, hope to retire soon and give them our jobs, and we're delighted with the work they're doing. We also have experimented with robust funding in our first round, and you'll meet several of them today in the poster session, giving very large projects, five campus projects in most cases, and we're learning from them the difficulties and and impediments that exist in spreading best practices from one site to another. And we know this is not unique to UC. We know in other, even integrated health systems, it is not simple to take one set of practices and disseminate them, so we are learning with our uh, PIs that we have funded. The whole point of this is to channel that vast intellectual capacity that you all know exists at UC, and to take it from the kind of studies that might have provided some benefit, and probably always did, but might have also sat on a shelf somewhere and gathered dust, and instead channel that vast, vast intellectual capacity into providing us with the boots on the ground and the intellectual heft to change the way we deliver care. And so we are partnered with our fellows and with our PIs and with all of you because we hope you support their work. Examples of projects, uh, I mentioned the primary care project. We have funded development of patient-centered medical homes or health homes. We are uh, funding a project to uh, examine bundling for hip and knee replacement. We're looking to lower C-section rates, decreasing unnecessary antibiotic usage, um, optimizing CT dosage, lowering preventable readmissions, decreasing periop complications, and as I mentioned before, increasing the peri I'm sorry, the palliative care workforce, and choosing wisely, something many of you have heard of, a campaign from the American uh, Board of Internal Medicine to teach clinicians to order uh, fewer tests and procedures. We are a real believer in shared decision making, and in your package you will see that we have included some examples of both clinician and patient uh, guidelines on shared decision making. So we encourage all of our clinicians to work with their patients and bring them fully into the partnership for their care. So uh, we've elected to use the currency of academic medical center's funding, something that our clinicians know and our faculty know very well. They've been very good at getting funding to channel that vast intellectual capacity and to take um, what was, um, we had a, a traits that many of our clinicians were known for, which was being very good at autonomous behavior, but to try to now reward for team-based collaborative behavior. This is a new significant component of what we're trying to incent. Now, again, organizational psychologists teach us that in order to get the kind of innovation change we need, we need to look at what drives change. And we have a category called antecedents. And antecedents includes learnings like a day like today. And what we know is that most organizations, when trying to change behavior, spend 80% of their time in antecedent behavior and only 20% of their time typically in consequences. But what the research tells us, that actually if that were flipped and we spent 80% of our time in consequences, and 20% in antecedents, we would go, we would be much more successful in changing the way in which we model and change behavior. And examples of consequences include feedback, praise, support, work process consequences, uh, promotions, and of course, incentives. So, and one of the things I want to share with all of you in the room is that positive incentives have been demonstrated to work four times as much as negative incentives. So when we think in terms of how do we incent this change towards collaborative team-based behavior, we have a lot of research to help us get there. So when we also look at processes, we have many of our colleagues here from our process improvement groups, and we salute all of you for helping us. We know that employers, for example, have looked at how do we get more efficient, and we want employers to want to send their employees to UC Health. They ask us, can you get as efficient as we demand that we get on our assembly lines? And so we need to look at the processes, and those some of you know about Lean and Six Sigma. If you don't know about them, we have teams on each of your campuses. I challenge all of you to learn about these tools that could help all of us bring out waste and inefficiency in the way that we offer care. We also know part of our mission is patient satisfaction and excellence. We wanna be the Nordstrom, we wanna be the Southwest Airlines, and we can be. Because we have the commitment to get there, working with our leadership and working with all of you, we can be the hospital and healthcare system where our patients view us as excellent and our employees are proud to go to work every day. So we have a choice, and this is a fun slide at this point. We have a choice. We've invited several of our partners in the healthcare paradigm to join us today. Many of you here today represent health plans, represent agencies from Sacramento, and we ask that instead of engaging in being Nicholas Cage in the circular firing squad, um, that as the resources dwindle in every sta- group of stakeholders when resources dwindle, we have choices. We can engage in this circular firing squad or in my view, more appropriately, we can work as a team. And of course, we're in Oakland, California. So <laughs> we will be the Oakland A's and we will be the team with all of you And we welcome all of you who've come from outside of UC to uh, help us be the best that we can going forward.